0: 653
1: welcome to a discussion of radical fundamental principles of freedom rational self-interest laissez-faire capitalism and individual rights the you brook show starts now
2: so this country is in um, in real trouble you know that's nothing new we we after all we elected donald trump with the hope of fixing all these problems uh doesn't look like it's happening. It looks like we're only sinking deeper and deeper into greater and greater problems. You know, we're not respected overseas. Our economy is floundering, has been floundering for years, really, since the financial crisis. Our social liberties are under attack, uh, you know, in every dimension. This country is in trouble. You look left, you look right. It doesn't matter. Democrats, Republicans, they, they don't get along, of course. But they don't get along within the parties either. They hate each other. Nothing, nothing positive seems to be happening. At least not in politics. At least not in, you know, the picture of what is America. We seem to be a nation in decline. And that's tragic. That is unbelievably tragic. Because I believe, I believe, as I think all of you believe, that this is the greatest country in human history. This is the greatest country that has ever existed. And if we're in decline, where do you go from there? All right, we're going to be talking a lot about American decline and what the solutions are for that decline. You're listening to Ron Brook's show, and this is my first show on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm excited. Hopefully you will get excited. I want to spend this first segment uh, introducing myself, letting you know who I am, what my perspective is, what, what approach I take to, to, to viewing the world analyzing the news analyzing what is going on in the world around us I, I hope I hope to turn you all into into regular listeners uh, y- you know you can also get this on uh, by it, it'll be up on iTunes and other podcasting apps and on the blaze and so you can listen to it anytime but it would be cool if we got a good uh, good audience of live listeners who actually could call in and engage in some discussion if you do want to call in 888 888- 800-3393, 3393 to get into the discussion. So let me tell you a little bit about me. Well, obviously I have a, a, a bit of a strange name. What is this Yaron uh, name? Uh, so I was born in Israel, born in Israel, raised in Israel, lived most of my early life in Israel. Uh, served in the Israeli army uh, in military intelligence. Uh, I think I bring, and you'll see in the show as, as we talk over the weeks, a unique perspective, particularly on the Middle East, on what is happening there, and how to deal with terrorism, and how to deal with this nutty, crazy, insane region of the world, and how America should really handle itself uh, in that world. I uh, got an got a undergraduate degree in civil engineering. It, it's hard to believe. It seems like a, a separate life, a different life. I got that degree in Israel, but I knew, I knew, from the age of 16, that I wanted to come to the United States of America, that I wanted to live in the greatest country in human history, that I wanted to live in the freest, or at least what I thought at the time was the freest country in the world. And 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 that happened because I read a particular book. And maybe some of you have read this book. My guess is many of you have probably read the book. Some of you might have read it when you were young and, and forgotten about it. Some of you might have read it during the financial crisis uh, when everybody was had this real existential angst. Uh, The book was Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Changed my life. I don't know what it did to you, but it changed my life. Before I read the book, like most Israelis growing up in Israel, I was a socialist. I was a collectivist. I strongly believed in a notion of sacrificing for my country, sacrificing for my tribe, sacrificing for my religion. As you'll see as we go along across the show, I don't believe in any of those anymore. Atlas Shrugged changed me completely. It turned me into a freedom-loving, liberty-loving capitalist. It turned me into somebody who takes his own life really, really seriously. And at that point, when I read that book, I realized that my responsibility in life, my goal in life, was to live the best life that I could live. To be the best that I could be. And to live in the country that provided me with the best opportunities there were in the world. And that was not Israel. Israel's too small. Eh, lots of problems with Israel. We can get into it sometimes. Too socialist. Too controlling. And America was my dream country. So, how to get to America? That's that's a challenge. We'll talk about immigration, I'm sure, uh, as the weeks go by, uh, because you know I wanted to immigrate to America. How do you do that? It's hard. So I came to study. I came to study, not primarily because I wanted to study but mainly because I viewed it as an entree into this great country an entree into a better life now some of you some of you will resent me for that I know the people out there who hate immigrants or resent immigrants resent people who want to come into this country I don't I love immigrants love immigrants so I came got an MBA PhD and in finance so we can talk economics we can talk finance at the University of Texas Austin hook'em horns and um, when I became a professor of finance. And amazingly, amazingly, in uh, 2000, I was offered the job of running the Ayn Rand Institute. So this book that I read at at 16, Atlas Shrugged, this book that that changed my life, this philosophy that's represented in this book that I'd studied all those years, I got now an opportunity to lead the organization that was promoting these ideas there was promoting the ideas of Ayn Rand, promoting the ideas of Atlas Shrugged. And I've been doing that in one form or another since then. I'm now the executive chairman of the Ayn Rand Institute. And um, you will hear a lot of Ayn Rand during this talk. So if you read Atlas Shrugged, if she intrigues you, if she's, if you find her ideas interesting, this is the show to listen to. Because this is the show, the only show probably, anyway, it might be a couple of exceptions here and there, where you will get an analysis of today's events, of today's world, from an Atlas Shrugged perspective, from an Ayn Rand perspective. This is the show where you can call in with questions about Atlas Shrugged, about Ayn Rand, about how to view her philosophy and how to integrate her philosophy with what's happening in the crazy, crazy world we live in. So what do I believe in? What is, And I'm going to do this very quickly and because you'll, you'll, you'll figure that out as we go along slowly. But let me do that and, and um, just quickly, what do I believe in? I'm a capitalist. I, I, but when I say I'm a capitalist, I'm just not, you know, your, your normal capitalist. I'm not just a guy who thinks, oh, we need a little bit of free markets, we need to deregulate, we need to lower taxes. I'm a radical. I'm a radical for capitalism. I want something that I wish the founding fathers had included in the constitution. And I think if they were alive today, they would be on nice side on this issue. I want a complete, a complete separation of state from economics. I mean in many ways, I want a complete separation of state of government from my life. The only thing I want government to do, the only thing I want government to do is to protect me. Is to protect you. Government is there to protect our rights. I think that was the founder's intent. Government is there to protect our rights. I want a police, I want a military, I want a judiciary, but I want the government out of my life otherwise. I don't want it regulating, I don't want it redistributing wealth. I am a radical for capitalism. And the reason I'm a radical for capitalism, by the way, we'll get a lot into the radical for capitalism later today on this show as we go along. But The reason I'm a radical for capitalism is because I value my life. I believe that every individual's responsibility, moral responsibility, ethical responsibility is to live his life the best that he can do it. And to do that, every one of us needs to be free. Every one of us needs to be free to make the value choices that we need to make, to make our lives better. Every one of us needs to be free, to act, to achieve those values. So I value freedom. I value capitalism because I value my own life. I value your life and your right, your moral right, to pursue the values you believe in free of government or your neighbor's intervention, free of coercion, free of force, free of authority. All right, so that's kind of brief, very brief introduction. When we get back, we're going to talk about my vision, what I see as the essence of America. You're listening to the Iran Brooks Show. We'll be right back after this break.
1: Best-selling author, prolific media contributor, PhD in finance. This is the Iran Brooks Show. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Iran Book
2: Show. So one way in which we know that this country is in trouble and this country is in decline is to compare where we are today and how much the government does today and what the government does today kind of the scope and the 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 the, the, the level of involvement the government has to, in our lives today with the vision of what America was supposed to be the founding father's vision of what America is and, and what is it? What is it that makes America? What is it that makes America the greatest country in human history? What is it that makes America? Ayn Rand called it the only moral country, the only country founded on a morality in human history. What was that morality? What, what is that essential core of, of the founder's vision for the United States of America? And I think I think it's important to understand this because I don't think people get it. I don't think people, I don't think people know. I, 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 our kids don't know any American history. They have no understanding of the core foundational principles on which this country was founded. And if we don't educate our kids, if our kids don't know that, and by the way, I don't think you parents know it either, really, then, because I don't think it's been taught for generations, then how are we going to save this country? We, we don't know what to save it from, and we don't know what to save it to. We don't, we don't have a vision for what, what is possible for America. You know, and it's it, you can say make America great again, and you can put it on T-shirts, and you can put it on hats, and you can trot around and 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 yell it and yell it and, and pretend that you know what it means. But President Trump has no clue what makes America great. Donald Trump has no clue what made America great, and unfortunately, most of his supporters, I don't think, know what made America great, and therefore. They don't know what to do, how to, how to bring it back again, how to bring that greatness, that essential greatness back. So what is it? What is it that made America great? What did the founders, what kind of country did the founders create? What, what, what were they trying to achieve? Well, you have to go, I believe, back to the Declaration of Independence to really understand it. Not so much the Constitution. Constitution you cannot understand without really understanding the Declaration of Independence. Because the Declaration of Independence is the short, succinct document that presents the essentials of the political philosophy, the vision, the ideal that the founding fathers held. It was a document written to frame why independence, why a war for independence was necessary, was needed. And what is the key idea of the Declaration of Independence? The key idea of the Declaration of Independence, the thing that made America the greatest country in human history, the thing that makes America in its founding the only moral country really to be established in human history, fully moral, is this idea that the purpose of government is to protect individual rights. It is the first country to recognize in its founding documents the idea that every individual, Every individual has rights, the right to his own life. What does that mean? What does that mean to say you have a right to your own life? It means you have a right to live your life as you see fit, pursuing the values you believe are necessary for your survival and thriving. It means that you have a right to use your mind, to figure out, What you need in order to thrive. What you need in order to be a good human being. What you need in order to succeed in life. Nobody has a right. Nobody has a right to interfere. Nobody has a right to tell you no. And to force you to behave differently than the way you'd want to behave. Nobody has a right to interfere with your pursuit of your values. Whether they like your values or they don't like your values. Whether they agree with you or don't agree with you. As long as... As you are not hurting other people, as long as you are not violating their rights by using physical force against them or committing fraud against them, it's none of anybody's business what you do. But the essential here is not that negative sense. The essential here is a positive. The essential here is that there are certain rational values that human beings need to pursue. In order to be successful in their own life, in order to live a good life, in order to survive and thrive. And that individual human beings must be free in order to be able to pursue those values. You must be free in order to be able to succeed in life. And that is what individual rights are trying to protect. They're trying to protect that freedom of action, that freedom of choice, to choose your values and act on those values and leave your and the whole idea is the government then and your neighbors, must leave you alone to do that. So you have a right to your own life. You have a right to live it as you see fit. Not to be told what business you can start and what not. What you need a license for and what you not. What you can say and what you can't say. What, how much to pay your employees. Or how much not to pay your employees. You know? And what to think and what not to think. And what ideas to hold and what not idea, what ideas to reject all of that this country was founded on the idea that you should be free to pursue. You have a right to liberty. Life, liberty and pursuit of happiness, right? Liberty to think what you want to think, to say what you want to say, to write what you want to write. Free of government coercion, free of fear, right? You should be able to draw a cartoon of Mohammed in the United States of America and have the full protection of the US government. When the terrorists try to kill you. Our government should never apologize for anything an American says. So you have you have the freedom to say, think, write, draw, do what you want to do. And the government is there to protect that right. So freedom of the press, freedom of the press, even if they even if they come up with fake news right show it's fake news condemn them for the fake news but the government has no right to intervene the government has no right and we'll talk about you know donald trump and, and and his attacks on the media we'll talk about the media and how biased and really corrupt it really is but what role does government have to play here i'd say none none you don't you, you don't read the new york times if you think it's fake news don't read breitbart if you think it's fake news i think both of them uh, not so much fake news, but both are unbelievably biased in different directions. I don't read them. Or I read them with a careful, careful, careful eye. Right? You have a right to pursue your own happiness. Now this to me is the most, the most important. This idea that the purpose of our life is happiness. That we have an inalienable right. A right that cannot be taken from us by anyone. To pursue that happiness. Wow. Wow. That is so crucial. That's what life's about. What's life's about? It's not about sacrifice. It's not about duty. It's not about, you know, patriotism. Doing what the state wants you, what the government wants you, or, or, or what the country needs. It's about you. It's about pursuing your values. It's about living the best life you can live. It's about making the most of the one life we all have as individuals. So the pursuit of happiness. Wow, what a beautiful statement. We have an inalienable right to pursue our own happiness. Not the groups, not our neighbors, not our brothers, not our friends, not anybody else's our own. What a liberating idea. Maybe the most important idea at the heart of the creation of the People come here. I came here to pursue my happiness. I came here to live to make the best life I could in pursuit of that happiness. So when we get back, we're going to talk about how it all went wrong, why it all went wrong, and where do you go from here. All right, you're listening to Iran Book Show, and we're going to be back right after this break.
1: Iran. On the Blaze Radio Network, okay. The Uran Brook Show.
2: So we're talking about. The greatness of america why america is the greatest country in human history and i believe it's the greatest country in human history not because of its geography not because of the people here not because of the specific individuals although you know it's you have to give credit to the founding fathers it's the greatest country in human history because it was the first country founded on the principle of individual rights it's the first country in human history founded on the principle. Of individual freedom on the principle that the only role of government is to protect us otherwise leave us alone and you can track in a sense the decline of america you can track the decline based on the idea of how much government has stopped protecting our rights and has started violating them and indeed if you read madison and Jefferson and many of the founding fathers, as everybody should, you will discover that when they, when they, when they expressed worry about the future of America, when they expressed worry about the future of this experiment that they were engaging in, they understood that the number one enemy of America was its own government was the tendency of democracy, the tendency of the people, and ultimately the tendency of the government was to engage in rights violation, whether it's through redistribution of wealth, whether it's through regulation of behavior, whether it's through telling us what to think and what to say and how to do things. That is, and that's what's happened. 200 and something years ago, slowly, slow, slow erosion, primarily I'd say over the last, what, 120 years or so, Certainly the last hundred years we've been in slow, steady, almost uninterrupted decline. A decline that is only accelerating with the last three presidents Bush, Obama, and Trump. Anyway, we'll get we'll get into my views on Bush, Obama, and Trump as the weeks go by. But well, we, we, we have a caller. Uh Moshe, I think wants to call talk about radical capitalism. And uh, do we have Moshe on the line? Hey Moshe. Can't hear. Moshi from Chicago. Oh, there you are. Hey,
0: Moshi from Chicago. Listen, I'm I'm all for making money. I'm all for uh, capitalism, but you take it too far, and this is what Ayn Rand and and a lot of libertarians take it too far because it's extremist. You know, you're extremist, and we end up being just like the guys on the left because you're you're an ex- you end up being extremists. And if you want to know the, you talked about the financial crisis, but what caused the financial crisis? It was. It was greed, and it was extremism of capitalism. So I'm all for capitalism. I'm glad you're on the blaze. It's important, but you know, you're just—it's just extremism. Yeah, no, I
2: I I get you, Moshi. I am a radical. I'm not one of these uh, these popular uh, capitalists who claim to be capitalists and then sell out on capitalism. Uh, as soon as they encounter a little problem like the financial crisis, because they can't explain it. So they say, oh, well, we need a, we need a, we need a moderate capitalism. I'm not. I'm, I'm, not. I'm, I'm a radical. I believe in this. Because I believe fundamentally, and we can talk, and we will talk about the financial crisis, but I believe fundamentally in individual freedom. It's not the government's business to tell me what kind of a loan I can or cannot take. And it's not their business to take money from you to subsidize me so I can buy a home. I should be able to buy a home by saving money, by having good credit, by going to the bank and convincing me, convincing them to lend me, lend me some money. I don't need a, a you know, a, a Freddie and fanny and federal home loan and all the, all the ways in which the government subsidizes and therefore controls the housing industry or subsidizes and controls and regulates the banking industry, the principle of America, and we can get into the economics of the financial crisis. I'm happy to do that. I've got out there, you can look it up. I've got like a six-hour course on the causes of the financial crisis. Had nothing to do with capitalism, by the way. Nothing to do with free markets. There were no free markets. The two industries that failed, housing and finance, are the most regulated industries in the United States. So why, when they failed, did we blame markets? We should have blamed the regulations. It's not an accident that these crises happen in regulated, controlled situations, in regulated, controlled markets. Free markets work. Free markets work everywhere. Anyway, my point was, because I don't want to get into economics too much right now. My point well, was... I'm, I'm nervous, but I'll be listening and... Well, keep listening, and I hope say. I make you nervous. Look, look, this is radical. This is stuff you, you don't hear anywhere else. Nobody else out there on the, on the radio is going to say, we need a complete separation of state from economics. Nobody out there is going to defend the individual's right to pursue his own happiness as he sees fit without state local government intervention in our lives. I want freedom. I take the ideas of individual rights and freedom that we learn from the founders seriously. And I want to try to explain to you why they're so fundamental, why they're so essential, why we need freedom. Not just because it sounds good, not just because the founders said so, but we're gonna delve deeper during the show, in future episodes, and to what freedom means, why it's so important, why, as a species, as human beings, we need, we have to have freedom in order to survive, and in order to thrive. We'll be I'm you. all thanks about so thrive. Mark, me on. No, anytime. Thanks, uh, thanks, Moshi for Moshi in Chicago uh, for calling in. I appreciate it. So keep listening. Because and and you're gonna get upset. I'm gonna say stuff that upsets people I know that people out there listening are big Donald Trump fans. I am NOT. I know that people out there listening I hope there's some people out there listening who are Obama fans. I am NOT and Maybe even some people have a memory of uh, George W. Bush who I despise so You know, it's 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 gonna be different It's gonna be challenging for you people and I'm gonna say things that upset you but please call in 888- 900-3393. 900-3393. Thank you, Moshi, for being my first caller. 888-900-3393. Call and talk about anything, but uh, so this vision of America, a, a country that protects my freedom, that leaves me alone. Think of the pioneers in the 19th century. Think of people going out there and exploring and, 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 and creating a life for themselves on their own terms without asking for permission. Without getting approval. I mean, imagine Thomas Jefferson today trying to invent everything he invented. I mean, the regulators would shut him down on day one. I'm sure he didn't wear goggles when he did his experiments. I'm sure his safety stuff was not up to par. I mean at every at every step, right? today we just don't have the kind of freedom even in America that we had even in America just a hundred hundred and fifty years ago now there were problems even back then and and let me just let me just mention this right so just so so we're clear Uh, the biggest problem in the founding of America in my view the biggest problem at the foundation of this country was the compromise they made the founders made about slavery because while they recognize that every individual has an inalienable right to life, liberty, property and the pursuit of happiness they denied those rights. They infringed on those rights. They used coercion and force to prevent the exercise of those rights by blacks in America, by keeping the institution of slavery around. The greatest evil this country committed was the extension of slavery. And of course it paid for it. We paid dearly for it. We paid with the Civil War. 600,000 young Americans died in order to undo... The compromise at the founding of this country. In spite of that, still the greatest country in human history, in spite of that, set the ideas that allowed freedom to be exported all over the world. All right, you're listening to the Iran Brook Show. We're going to be back right after this break.
1: Israeli military veteran and radical for capitalism. It's the Iran Brook Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: We're talking today about what made America great. What makes America great, and and what that is, is, is this moral idea. It's this moral ideal that the founders had, to create a country that protects the rights of individuals, to put, to create a country where basically everybody, all of us, are free, free to pursue our own values, free to pursue our own life, and and we'll be talking throughout about how that manifests itself, how that should manifest itself in our political lives today, and how it's not being, and how nobody out there represents this view, a founder's view. I mean, Thomas Jefferson today would lose an election in a landslide, in a landslide. He'd be considered way too radical, way too radical for either Republicans or Democrats. I mean, who would vote for him? Can you imagine an election between Thomas Jefferson and any of our politicians today. I mean, he'd get crushed. And I think that is the saddest thing in the world. So, if we are to resurrect this country, we're to bring it back, we, the people, the voters, need to be educated about what this country is about and need to be in a position where we would elect a Thomas Jefferson. That's what I strive. I strive towards getting to a point where America is the country of the founding is the country of the founding of of those first 1776 those first 30 years those ideas that animated the founding fathers when we can get that when we can get those ideas embedded in the culture and in the minds and in the understanding of the American people I'll be happy we will have been successful that's my goal in this show All right, we've got a couple of callers Let's start with Aberdeen in, uh, in D.C. Hey, how's it going?
1: Hi there, Yaron. Uh, I'm calling from Washington State, actually. Um, oh, Washington
2: State. Oh, I, thought, I thought it was D.C. Good. I, I far, far prefer Washington State to Washington, D.C. D.C. <laughs> is my least favorite place, maybe on the planet, certainly in the United States. It's
1: uh, not good. Um, not good. No. So I was listening to the last caller, and you talked about how you're a radical and extremist, and just now you were talking about... Now you're for individual rights. But, I mean, haven't we – we've just heard this so much, right, for years now. They, yeah. All the Republicans seem to agree that, oh, we need to repeal Obamacare and that it's bad yeah. and everyone talks about how much they need to do it and they've raised so much money to do it and now they're all in power and it still can't get done. Yeah. So uh, it, how can we get a change like that? I mean, what is what you're saying different? How is that different?
2: Well, so let's take let's think Obamacare as a, a good idea – on how to differentiate me from these other Republicans. First of all, let me just note, I'm not an extremist. I don't like the word extremism. Uh, it, it's a bad word. It's a word that's, that's that's and, and Mushi, I think, used it in this way to kind of connotate somebody that shouldn't be listened to. There's way out there. I'm a radical. Radical is, is consistency. Yes, I'm out there in a sense, but it's, it's a consistent, it's based on principles. And what's the principle with regard to health care in the United States? It's individual rights. I should have a right to choose whatever insurance I want to go to any doctor I want and negotiate whatever price I want with that doctor and every doctor in the United States should have a right to refuse service to me because I can't pay him enough or because he just doesn't like me that's what freedom means that's what individual rights means so I am an advocate for a hundred percent private health care what would that actually mean that wouldn't mean just repealing Obamacare that would be step one step two Get rid of all insurance regulations on health insurance companies in the United States. Completely establish a free market in health insurance. Get state regulations out of the picture. Get federal regulations out of the picture out completely. Close the Department of Health and Human Services at the federal government level. The federal government has no business in the health market, right? Then, you have to do away, other, in other words, phase out, and this is where Republicans are going to shiver in their boots, and Democrats are going to accuse me of throwing grandmother off the cliff. Phase out over a generation or two, 10, 20, 30 years, phase out Medicaid, phase out Medicaid, not make them more efficient, not turn them into block grants, get rid of them. The government has no business in health care. The government should leave us alone to choose our own insurance, our own healthcare providers, make our own decisions about our own health care. What Republican has ever said that? None. I can guarantee it. None. None of them will ever say that. I remember during the Tea Party period, everybody was clamoring for uh, smaller government and don't tread on me and all this great stuff, right? Really good, good stuff that I was supporting. And then you'd see a big sign by somebody saying, keep your hands off of my Medicare. The largest yeah. redistribution of wealth in human history. And, 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 you know, and, and it, the, the biggest social program in the federal government. Keep your hands off of that. How are you going to restructure government? How are you going to shrink government spending? How are you going to cut the government debt if you don't touch Medicare? And I'm not talking about reforming Medicare. I'm talking about phasing it out. And there's no Republican who will say that. So I am much more radical than anybody today in politics. And I'm proud of it because I believe that my radicalism is the radicalism of the Founding Fathers. I don't think anybody in government today, I don't think most of the American people, I think an overwhelming majority of the American people would be quite happy with King George and a stamp tax. Because the fact is that our federal government today taxes us, oppresses us, regulates us, controls us more than King George ever did. And yet... We're not rising up in a revolution. We're not complaining. We're not uh, choosing politicians who will actually really drain the swamp. Not just say it, but, isn't but isn't actually
1: that, do it. Isn't that what Donald Trump talked about? That he well, he said policy. he would,
2: but he never presented a program. He never suggested how he would do it. And all of his actual agenda items, all of his actual policies are status policies, grow government. And, and, and have nothing to do with the protection of individual rights and, and, and increasing freedom in America. Thank you, Albertine. I really appreciate you calling, and I'll have to remember you're from uh, Washington State, not D.C. next time you call. Now we have another caller, Enric from San Francisco. Please stay on the line. We've got kind of a long break coming up, but uh, I will get back to you uh, after this break. So we're talking about the essential characteristic of this country, freedom, individual rights, and uh, when we get back from the break, we'll continue our discussion on how that applies to politics and reality today. You're listening to The Ron Brooks Show.
1: You're listening to The Iran Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network.